Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in living the status quo life, who wants to hear from other ladies that are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga. Join me as I follow my curiosity around what living a successful life really means. Let's dive in. All right, guys. So today we have Michelle Whitley with us. She is a multiple salon owner, mother of six, and a business educator. I am so excited to talk to you since, you know, we've connected a lot on Instagram. And I know just from briefly talking to you before the show, like you didn't start your career in the salon world until after having your fifth baby. So can you bring us up to that point of your life? And then we can just jump off from there. So yeah, um, I actually went to cosmetology school while I was still in high school and graduated early. So I've been in the industry for 20 years, but I didn't actually start a salon until, yeah, after I had my fifth kid. And I had absolutely no intentions of ever being a business owner. Honestly, like being a hairstylist up until that point was, I mean, aligned with me in so many ways as like the job behind the chair. But then it was amazing because I was able to manipulate my schedule around my kids. Um, We actually never did daycare because we had like family members. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I think I may, if I wanted to do what I do now, I may have looked into that. But at the time, it just wasn't a necessity. I mean, my husband and I only had like two days off a month together for a long time, but like, that's kind of the environment that I grew up in and like the area that we lived in, what a lot of people did. And so it was just kind of like young, you know, working hard. And, um, I really just supplemented the bills, but it wasn't something that I loved to do. Wow. Yeah. And I, that, I mean, the sacrifice of having two days off a month with your husband, I mean, there's so many, people that wouldn't, wouldn't be willing to do that. Or, you know, wouldn't like you, you know, like how, how did you like prioritize your business at the same time with like all these little people that needed you? So I didn't realize until all these years later, because my oldest is 16 and a half now, you know, and this was like early twenties, I'm nearing 40 now. Um, but I am really good at managing a lot of what's going on because I, I kind of just develop systems for things like on my own. It's just the way that I live kind of within my little world. So I had days that I went to the grocery store every single day. I did a load of laundry. Um, I would do like the floors one day and the bathrooms another day. And I just kind of constantly had a little bit, little bits of pieces of my workload that I kind of spread out to make them not feel so intense. Um, But looking back now, I think, wow, like, I can't believe that I did all of that. And I never felt overwhelmed, like never, like, you know, your kids, they're having a rough day, you didn't sleep as well, but it was like, never overwhelmed. It was just kind of like, well, this is just, this comes with the job and like, it'll pass kind of thing, you know, but yeah, I did a lot, but we also think back, I did not have Instagram or Facebook. We did not have text messaging. So there was a lot less contact that was being made. And all of my clients have been coming to me for a long time. Um, so it was, I would say it was a lot easier to manage. I don't think I could do the same thing in the environment today. 
Right. And also when you were talking, I'm like, yeah, there is something amazing about being in your early twenties and like just in your twenties. Cause I feel like I wanted to be working really hard and not that I don't want to work hard now. It's more like, how do I like, how do I make my mind make it simpler and like, just get more crafty and creative with it. But in my twenties, I was like willing to put in all that like sweat equity. And it sounds like you did that, you know, times a million. Oh yeah. Like the house, the, a house that we bought that was a repo in 2008. Like, I mean, at that time, I think I had only two kids when we bought that house. Um, but like all the grass in the front yard was dead. And I took a flat hoe and took it all out myself and like helped lay the grass. And it was just kind of like, I was, I looked at all of my time as like, what I had to offer it versus what it had to offer me. And it was fine though, because I learned so much from it. And now I'm like, I could, if I wanted to, there's nothing really that would intimidate me from doing that's, you know, a typical normal everyday thing. Um, but yeah, it was just like, go, go, go. But I don't know, maybe I saw that in like families and in my family life. So it was just like, there was nothing abnormal about it. It wasn't considered hustle at that time. It was just considered normal everyday life. Yeah, totally. And even what you're saying about how, like, it gave you a confidence of like, I'll figure it out. Oh yeah. I like laid the floors at the first salon, um, with my husband, they, you know, like the PVC click lock ones. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it was like the easiest of them kind of thing, but yeah, painted that whole place, like put, you know, pretty much put together what I could, that I didn't need like a permit for. Um, and then did that like over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about like what, like, cause I can kind of picture what your life looks like at home, but what was it like in the salon and what, and like, what did you build during that time? Okay. So we started with a space that was already a salon. So it had the plumbing and the electrical. So it was just cosmetic stuff. And I'll go into a little bit of why we even did it. Because like I said to you prior, I never actually had intentions of ever being a business owner. Um, and not because obviously I could manage a lot of things and figure things out, but like that wasn't my identity. Even behind the chair, it wasn't my identity. Like when I was going to cosmetology school, it was to have um, income to be able to put myself through college. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. It was going to maybe be a therapist. Later on, I wanted to go back and do like holistic health. Um, but it met so many like uh, my need to connect with people and all of these things that like I really... I mean, it's part of the problem, I think, with all of us early on, a lot of independence, but didn't treat it like a business, you know? Um, so I didn't view what I was doing as like replicable into being an actual business owner. But my husband, who was in um, like retail management, um, he'd work for like Best Buy, Starbucks. I make a lot of like uh, references to that when I talk about business stuff. He, you know, working... Behind, you know, in corporate America was we watch 
Shark Tank and he really wanted to open up a business. And he would talk about all these businesses. And I'm like, well, I really know what it's like in the salon. I don't see myself as like a business owner, but I know I can tell you what all of the thing, you know, I ran a successful business behind the church. So this place opened, it was in an ideal location with low rent, already had all of that infrastructure in there. And that's how that all happened. But, oh my gosh, like I knew it was going to be hard and I knew it was going to be overwhelming with all of what I had going on, but, um, it was, it, it wasn't even that hard. Like it went really well. Everything was successful, but when the whole world, your family, and then another business is all relying on you, it can be like, so overwhelming. So, yeah. yeah. So what, when was that versus like fast forward till today? So we opened that location December of 2014. And then is that, and now, and now where, what are, what do you have going? So that location had two spaces open next door to it. And this again was just like opportunity. So within six months of opening, we actually expanded into one unit. And then by the time that we were done with the expansion, we expanded into the next unit. So we went from, 1,250 square feet to 3,750 square feet. Mind you, I had never worked in a salon that was more than about 1,800 square feet with like 10 stations. So this space has four um, treatment rooms, a space for four nail techs, and then 18 or 19 stations. Wow. But at the time, there was just not a lot going on in the area. We were the first ones really to market on Instagram. Yelp with its good, bad, and ugly was great for us, even though, you know, we all have experiences with it. Um, And I realized I was able to build stylists in a way that other salons were not able to do in the area. Granted, they were all very talented and dedicated. So it wasn't like I trained them technically. I mean, I was there and that was a part of it, but really it was uh, giving people an opportunity that at that time in that, the location, you know, in that metropolitan area, there just wasn't that. So then that one was full and I was, uh, like seven months pregnant with my sixth and a big salon in the area sold to a doctor and he closed it. He didn't tell any of the team he was going to close it. He told them he was going to, you know, revamp it, had all of these drawings, had, I mean, the guy's a little bit of a sociopath apparently, but gave them two weeks. So um, we ended up finding a building and opening another 3750 square feet building, but only because of circumstance. I would have never done that that way had that not happened. And within a year we were full. And so then that went to the third location and the third location was also an existing salon before. And so, yeah, so that's all she wrote. So I went from never wanting to own a business to having three locations, six kids and that, all that. Wow. And I can relate to never having wanted to own a salon because like my, my approach was like, I just want to be so into doing the color. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't, don't want it. I didn't even, that wasn't even on my radar, but I think it's funny. Like when, you know, like opportunity arises mixed with your needs. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of my needs kept changing. And then it just was the natural next thing. But I think that it's so amazing the the way that you guys capitalized on opportunities. 
like, what do you feel like you had to do personally to be in a position to be able to strike when, when those opportunities came? Cause it didn't just fall in your lap. So I will say that personal finance wise, I was always a very conservative spender. I never have paid payments late. Um, I know that that is a position of, um, you know, privilege to say that, um, not to say that I grew up very privileged, but I grew up in a way that taught me that and, um, that I had help with understanding what that looked like. Um, math is also my favorite subject. So hence why I do all the numbers things. Um, and so I did, we were in a position where when we opened the first location, we could live off of just my husband's income because we had paid off two cars and had very low personal bills. So we didn't need any revenue or income from the salon to support our home. So we only needed the salon to support itself. So within first six months, everything from that salon was paid off. In six months, everything that we had taken out. And we did a lot ourselves. We were willing to do a lot ourselves. I had a solid business plan for that to make sure that what the revenue looked like was going to be able to pay it off. And then the salon would be profitable. And then, yeah, use the money then that was the revenue from that first location to expand because we didn't need it to pay home bills. So we did make a lot of sacrifices and didn't use the money for extra. You know what I mean? Like once money was being made, it went back and was reinvested versus like a new car going on vacation or, you know, those things. Um, Sometimes I wish I would have given myself a little bit more space for that. But at the time it was like, you're just so ultra responsible for the investment that I'm putting in, not just to my family, but the people that are going to come and work for me that I didn't want that to be you know, and it's something that I felt guilty about later. Yeah, no, um, I get what you're saying. Cause I've, I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk say the same thing about how he's like, I think I could have spent a little bit more time with my family or I could have, but then it's always like, it's always like, you'll never really know. And I think that it's very true that like, it's, it's hard to get to where you got, you've gotten to and not have that attitude. I just feel like when you're willing to do whatever it takes, you will be able to get whatever it is that you're setting out to do. And you do have to be in a position sometimes of like a no holds bar, um, but allow yourself to be human at the same time. And so that's like where that balance comes in. But you just, again, you never know because almost 40 year old me would be much better at figuring that out than, you know, 26 year old me, right? I mean, to think like of the, you know, the years or whatever at that time, I mean, when I, okay, so we opened, it was seven years ago, so 33 for, for the opening of the mm-hmm. salons, but like, even at that 26 year old me, just even with our personal finances for us to be able to not put, you know, me not be able to work too much to not put my kids in daycare and, you know, eat really like healthy, organic, you know, foods and, and all of that stuff, um, all, but I guess that's just me then. I made those sacrifices before I ever had a business to make those sacrifices for. So. Yeah. Well, and even when you talk about like, it was easy, it's like, I think like it was easy, but you also did things a lot of people wouldn't do or wouldn't be willing to do. And like, you know, I don't know. I just, I think that like that attitude of like doing whatever it takes, I think that you're right. Like it, I think that's a huge takeaway of like, yeah, you maybe didn't go on as many vacations, but like, 
And even when you talk about like you were fortunate to have your husband's income and you were, but you still had a lot of kids. Yeah. You guys were like, I feel like, you know, they say like people that are do something really well, or it comes easy to them. They don't realize that it's like actually not that easy what they're doing. You know, people say that. And like, people would say that all the time. And it's just so hard because I do think that I don't know, my personality is just set up in a way to be able to not have all of that complexity overwhelm me, but I'm very grounded in a lot of things, you know, like I'm not pulled away by hype. I don't need, I don't need a lot to be happy when the sun is shining and I can sit outside and watch my children jump on the trampoline. I'm satisfied with that. Um, you know, so there's just, there's other things. And and for me, it's a, a richness that I feel I couldn't find somewhere else. And so even finding that allows me to be able to, I think, have what I need because I'm not taking, I'm not taking too much, you know, from, from the outside to be able to satiate myself. Yeah. So, you know, you've had the three locations, they were booming, it was going well. And what made you decide, because now I know you've downsized, what did that look like? And what was the reason for it? COVID. So we, California, um, we also have a beer and wine lounge there. And thankfully, like the best happened in the worst case scenario of like how, what things could have happened. So in August of 2020 would have been when our third location's uh, lease was up and there was like a flood in that unit and the insurance money went to the landlord and essentially paid off the back rent that we had. So we just decided to walk away. We weren't sure at that point we were still closed. How many people were going to come back between three locations and figured we could consolidate down to two just fine. And the only reason that we ended up with subsequent locations was out of necessity. I didn't sit back when the second location was partially full and think, what's my next step? And so it was like, okay, this is just, there's not a necessity for it anymore, which is where all businesses really need to look at whether it's in a state of COVID or not, right? Um, reassess what our needs are, what our goals are, why we're doing what we're doing, and if we still need to be doing it that way. And so we closed. And so that one was just like a really easy, you know, kind of easy thing. Um, With California, not just being shut down, but the schools being shut down, and just everything being so weird, and our area not being, I mean, we're very isolated, I would say from larger metropolitan areas, there's a big path that you have to drive up from Southern California to, to this area. And so we were limited on stylists already, like, so many left the industry, so many left California. So we kept, um, you know, the second location or the technically the first location is the second location is when we didn't downsize the first location we kept open until I just felt like the shifts. We had people go to suites. We had people open up their own salons. We had people stay at home. We had people leave the industry. And the crazy thing about it though, is, is that it was a lot more than what I ever wanted when it got to the three, as far as people, as far as, you know, when you have three businesses like that, how you pick who's going to stay and what you're willing to tolerate really changes when they're not employees. And the downsizing just felt like it needed to be done. 
uh, energy wise and money wise. And so then um, we just downsized that first location last month. So how big is that one now? So that one's back to the 1250 square feet that we started with. That's so full circle. It is. And originally I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to keep it open and just another set of circumstances happened and we were, and I was, you know, I'm not attached to a lot of things. Like I've experienced loss in my life, changes in my life that have allowed me to have to let go and, you know, and go with whatever the new life is bringing in versus, you know, holding on to something that's dying or dead. Um, but when I have, when I knew I was going to be able to keep it open, I was just so happy. I was so happy. And I think it was just that, like the care that went into it and all of the years, like something that I did work for, I was able to hold on to. And so, yeah. So now it, we just renovated it, painted, bringing in, you know, a new couch. And so and now I'm excited because then I'll still have that location to go back to work when I'm there. So, which I also, so February of 2020, before all this happened, we moved to Arizona and I was traveling back and forth. So I'm in Arizona and I actually travel back and forth to California to the salons. I know, just add another layer to that crazy, right? Wow, that's so amazing. <laughs> We chose Arizona for my family just because of the different things, schooling. My kids can walk to school from the neighborhood that we're in. They go to the neighborhood school. And um, and it was close enough in proximity to California that it wasn't too far away. Arizona initially wouldn't have been my choice. But again, a happenstance of circumstances. My in-laws moved here like five years ago. And so we just said, okay, when our house sold, I guess this is where we're going. And it's been an amazing, you know, amazing transition for us, despite everything else. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. And like the fact, like I, something stuck out to me is the part about like how you, you don't hold on too tightly to things. Cause like, like, and then like, like, like what the, and by doing that, do you feel like there's been so many more possibilities of like like the fact that you even thought it was possible to move to Arizona. Like I, I didn't even know you lived in Arizona. So I don't know why I don't, my mom says I was a spitfire when I was a kid, even though like not quite a spitfire is my youngest. Um, but just that, like, you do have to make do with whatever you have. And my dad always did that. And he was always had a positive attitude about it. And, um, so yeah, when I knew that something needed to change with the kids, I was willing to risk everything that I worked for and that for all of those years and that we had, because I knew there was just no other choice. So I had to accept the fact that there even may have been a loss in those businesses and, and a negative downturn with me leaving the state regardless of COVID. But I just had to do it because I knew that it was something, something that I had to do. So, well, and it's like what was right for your kids. It just became really clear. There was just no, really no choice, you know, no choice with it. And I know, I mean, kudos to the parents who did everything that had to go on with schooling in California for COVID, you know, cause that was really hard, but for my kids and the way that I raised them and how interconnected we are, we don't do a lot of electronics and stuff like that. And like the distance learning would have been really hard on them. Um, for that extended amount of time and all of the other protocols with the schools. And so even despite it, it really still, it really did 
it was the right decision for us, despite like we moved here and we're in the process of buying a house. We were in a temporary rental because our rental house and our primary residence had sold in California. We shut down March 18th and then my the house was supposed to close May 19th. And then we were never able to buy. So like there's, you know, certain negative things. And now the market here is like $300,000 more to buy. And then the houses in California are like $200,000 or $300,000 more to sell, like that if we would have sold. So financially, we really put us in like the worst possible scenario, but we have something that money can't buy. So, yeah, no, I mean, so what does it look like for you now? Like how much, you know, your story, like not all of it, but the part um, about moving to Arizona, I'm like, oh my God, Shanda from yeah, um, she's the harbor salon. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I was like, she owns a salon in California and commutes. And I'm like, I thought she was the only person that did that. No. So, I mean, the flight is really easy. We're only about 30 minutes from the airport and traffic in Arizona is nothing like traffic in California. So like, yeah, it may be, you know, there's another way around if you have to, but if you don't pick peak times, it's so easy. And then the drive is like six and a half hours. If we ever need to like bring stuff back or you want to take the whole family or something like that. But yeah, it's really like, it's been great because the only other options were like Las Vegas is less time away. It's like three and a half hours to where my salons are. But I just, I just didn't like want to go to Vegas and the heat there is actually worse. Um, it's like this I don't dry hit you in the face heat where this heat, like, I love it here. So anyways, yeah, I love Arizona. I'm so happy that we came here. And it was not like the same thing with setting out to be a salon owner. Like I didn't say when we were moving, I want to go to Arizona. My best friend had moved to Texas and opened a salon there. And that was like a consideration and we threw it around, but it was kind of like, well, our house sold right away. And we didn't have another place to go. So I guess we're going to pit stop in Arizona until we figure it out because it's close enough. And then we just love it. Wow. That's so cool. So what does your like day-to-day life look like and how, 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 how do you like it? So, um, both my husband and I work from home. He still manages the beer and wine lounge, orders all of the supplies for the salons, does like the front desk, you know, stuff that we have to manage. Um, and then he's really like Mr. Mom, most of the time, um, I still do obviously now with the business education stuff and then the salon, like financial auditing management type of thing. I go back once every like three to four weeks and usually take clients, but sometimes I don't just, if we're, you know, too much of the salon stuff is going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I Instagram and social media is a big part of like growing both businesses. So I do a lot of that. If I need to talk to stylists, like face to face, which I like, I don't, you know, if they need help, then we do zoom, which is great. The video conferencing has like changed, not just for, you know, me, but like for everyone who's now being able to remotely work, you know, it allows you to have that personal interaction, but then kind of focus on your work separately and work from anywhere. So yeah, if people need help, you know, I go through the, we use Vigaro and they're all independent now in California. We don't have anyone that's on commission because of the laws there, um, but I still support them. They need help with their booking system, pricing, you know, customer things. I answer Yelp. 
Instagram, Facebook, our website, um, all of that stuff. And it's pretty much just a balancing act. I'm a juggler. That's what I do. That's what my yeah, day is. No, you sound like you're a professional juggler. Um, but so how much did it play a role in you being able to like shift your identity from being a stylist to being a salon owner, to being a remote salon owner? Do you think that, that being that you don't hold on to things made that transition easily more easily for you? Or did you have some other skill sets you had to like acquire to make that shift? So I do think that naturally I am just an adapter and a solution finder. So like, um, I do have problems with being direct and confrontation if it's not solution based. And sometimes there is no solution to conflict. Like it's addressing the conflict that then leads to a solution. Um, but for most of it, that really helps me because I just adapt the, you know, environment around me shifts and I find a way to settle in and I don't get very, uncomfortable with change. I'm not really a person that gets uncomfortable with change. And so um, the one negative thing about that is that sometimes I don't experience the fullness of where I'm at because I'm so easily shifted into that change. I'm almost, it's just a natural progression for me to do. Um, It was weird initially because really being a stylist is not a prerequisite at all for being a business owner. It is for understanding certain aspects of the salon business, um, which I full well knew. The reason that we had some more prerequisites met was I feel the fact that my husband was in corporate management and we understood metrics and we understood return on investment. We understood structure, marketing, what people like to see, um, how to communicate things, you know, through, through marketing and those things. And so, um, it was really like, if it wouldn't have been for the experience with him in his role, being, being a hairstylist, I honestly, I would have probably been very lost, even with my background in loving math, I would have been really lost with running a business. Yeah. Do you think it's the scale of your business that would have been make it difficult or just in general? Just in general, you, um, unless you're already managing a lot of like, you know, let's just take, so as a, you know, as a manager at Starbucks, okay, you have to manage like drive-through times. You have to manage replenishment. You have to manage different stations and like who's where the time that it takes for certain drinks over other ones. Like there's so many little facets of the business that are aside from like people management and basics that like, when he would come home and talk to me about the things and I loved hearing about it, he would kind of sometimes be venting, even though he did amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally he always, whatever was going on in the store, he figured out a way to make it better. And he always, you know, um, was like number one. So it was great to listen to him because I would just listen to him talk to me, you know, at being at home with the kids most of the time all day, like he was like my social life for most of the time, you know? listened to him talking about it. And I just, I guess like gradually, you know, absorbed the information because really like it was not the scale of it at all. I think that being able to do it on a smaller level, well, allowed me to scale it with the same, you know, those same principles, but had I not been able to do it at the lowest scale, 
it would have been, you know, and there was still so much that you learn. I mean, there's like literally still so much that you learn from it. Like, even if you're prepared. No, yeah. totally. Like when you were saying like, like drive through times and like, you know, all that stuff, it's like, you look at like a, even like a salon suite or whatever. It's like, you don't see like, okay, well, how much color does that person have in inventory? How many, like, do, do does the client come in and can they purchase the retail they want to purchase? Like, you think all that's just like happening, but it's like, there are all these little incremental things that like an untrained eye doesn't see. They just know if it's not working. Yes. And we're like, okay, like I've got, I've got a faucet that's not running, you know, the house is built. Well, where's like, where's the problem? Is there like a misconnection? Is the water off? Like what, you know, what's going on, but we don't really always look at, yeah, all of the little parts of the business that kind of build up to be the whole of it. Totally. And I think that to your point, like when you have a business like that, it's like, my mind's always thinking, like, I got a text right now that the contractor was there and put a cabinet back in. Like your mind always has these little, and it's, I think what has allowed me to be able to enjoy it more is to be able to learn to live with the fact that there's always something like that going on. Yes. And I think that that's the, um, thing that everyone has to overcome because it is the one thing that will create extreme anxiety in you, stress, distraction. And as soon as you have that, you cannot think, you know, once your head, once your brain goes into that anxious side, you no longer have the ability to think um, clearly, you know, in reason and, and find and then backtrack and figure out what the issue is. So like, you know, I don't hustle culture really like to be, you know, this big boss babe, not my vibe at all. Um, but like getting over the fact of having control over things and realizing that there's always going to be something pulling you away and that you will be occupied with things that are not on your schedule. If you can kind of get past that and accept it. Um, there was an article that I read and it was that it's not stress that has the negative effects on our bodies. It's what you think about that stress. And there's like a whole study on, you know, the longevity people's, um, you know, uh, length of years lived depending on how they took the stress that they were dealing with, like what they did with it. And if they said to themselves, you know, this stress, having this going on is what is allowing me to be this great business owner that I am. Being able to manage all of these tasks is allowing my business to grow in the way that it should. You know, having clients contact me, not to say all hours, but having that client interaction be a part of my job is what makes my job so successful. Because, you know, there's just all of these things. So if we can't, any parts that are feeling that you know, overwhelm. If we can get to the point where we accept it, then it helps to build us and we grow for it. Just grow from it. Just like any, you know, any stress, any problems, any perceived negative, we can always learn to find the positive in it. Right. It's like your relationship to what's happening. And yeah, like yes. I think knowing that, knowing that there is always going to be like, like a, a text that comes in like, Hey, sync's not working or this is happening. And just go learning to have that just be like, that's part of the territory for being a business owner. And I think that's the thing about, you know, not everyone should be in business for themselves, but if you are, I think that you, that you'll be happier if you sooner, if you learn to, to live with these kind of like little pings, you're going to get all the time. And I all think time. that 
I didn't know how to sit with the discomfort because I'm like action oriented. Like I want to finish and get everything fixed today. Well, you know, I was waiting for a washer and dryer since December till last month. Then the wrong one got installed and then they had to come back and get it and get it and put a new one in. So I feel like what I've learned is like, it's all part of the process. And like that kind of stuff used to fucking irritate the shit out of me. And now I'm like, I didn't know they made a vent box for a vent for a washer that you don't have a vent installed. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. Um, what's next? What's phase 16 look like? And I'm like, okay, I think I'm at, I think I'm at like, I like, you know, like you kind of just like keep elevating, but learning how to handle more, more stimulus, but not have it affect you you the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to communicate to people. I think the hardest thing is, is when you're action oriented and you've created an environment where people rely on you for that action. And then those things come out of you are out of your control. It's frustrating because you created this reliance on you that you're action oriented, which I think you've talked about a lot, just like in other areas, right? Um, You set this expectation of yourself with people because of, you know, some of the positives and it ends up becoming sometimes a negative thing. So it's also not just the pressure you place on yourself, but the pressure that you've allowed people to place on you and communicating to them. Listen, these things take time. Like these things take time. They take money. This is what I do. This is the process that I go through and I'll notify you if anything, you know, if we deviate from the schedule. And so like that has been something that has been huge because I tend to process things just internally and not always communicate what's going on because it's just so much. It's like, how do you keep up and update the itinerary and continue to update the itinerary or whatever? But it's like, okay, well, this is the program that I'm on now. And it could take two weeks. It could take seven months. I'll keep you updated. Yeah. So what do you, what skill do you think you've had to acquire to to be able to do that? Because for me, when you were talking, I'm like, I've had to become so much more humble in order to, to, to communicate that stuff, because otherwise my ego is like, yeah, I'm the girl to get it done. And I feel like I couldn't connect, communicate to people that I couldn't do it because what would that say about me? 100%. And I would say that that is something that I struggled with a lot. And I also struggled with, I think, um, like I, I let a lot of things go with people, especially in the salons. I let a lot of things go because I, even though I'm very like goal oriented and task oriented and do things, I realize that that's who I am, but that's not who like 90% of the people in life are. Right. But then when it comes down to that, like, well, I've allowed all these things and had understanding, but they not always will because of that kind of ego life that I've set up within myself of being the best at taking care of these things and not just saying, Hey, listen, so these, you know, these are the things that I set out, but like right now, this is what's going on guys. And yeah, what does that say about me? But I think the pressure, I mean, three salons with over how many people like that did a number on my mental, you know, because you're just trying to meet everybody's needs and keep everybody happy and worry about whether, you know, three people, out of a hundred are not going to understand. And if they don't, and they talk amongst each other and create it. So I, I did this poll to give everybody perspective, how everybody looks at things differently. And it was crazy how like five people would rate that the salon cleaning had been done at a 10 and two people would rate it as a two. Like, 
How can it be that, you know, different of a thing? And what can I do to graciously communicate that to people? Even when I am taking care of everything, you know, like, yeah, it's just like so multifaceted because it's like communicate the things when they are out of your control and show people that you can't keep everything in order, but then graciously communicate when you are keeping things in order and people just are not realizing that you're keeping them in order. A hundred percent. I I was thinking like, as you're talking, I'm like, is the kiss of death of the ego kind of, I can do it all. Is that like, like you kind of do, I don't know. It's like non-confrontational because egos aren't like really confident. So you can't really be kind and communicate because that would take like true inner self-worth. And so, so you don't communicate things. You let everything go. And I think that was my kiss of death in every one of my past lives. And I did not ever communicate like, Hey, it bothered me that this happened. And in owning that, like things bothered me. One thing I did a few weeks ago that I was like, Oh my God, that was I recognized that I'd gotten overwhelmed in the salon, like three things had happened. A neighbor came in and asked me to mail something. Uh, the repair people were there for the washer dryer again, and something else happened. And I looked at one of my coworkers and I said, oh my gosh, three things happened outside of the work behind the chair. And I just, yeah, yeah, I just realized like, I don't have the bandwidth for this. Like it, three things in a row, knock me out. And I never had the, the ability to communicate that. And in communicating it, I was like, oh my gosh, like there were years where that was like my, I operated from that overwhelmed state instead of identifying it, even just sharing it with someone made it like kind of dissipate. Yes. I think that that's really like where it is, is being able to like verbalize and, and deal with it. Like having these feelings of turmoil, but never actually allowing them to like be there, accept them as they are and let it, you know, let it move past us. Like the, the hardest thing is just holding on to them. And then you just continue to repeat the cycle. Right. Because you're leaving a delusional state in order to keep doing it. And uh, it is exhausting. And I think that you think you keep, you're keeping it all together, but you're keeping yourself fucking stuck. Yes. Well, and the hard thing about ego is that ego doesn't even have to manifest itself in, um, what we would, what the public would consider as an egotistical way. So one thing that I realized was that because I am that doer and a creator and my self-worth was defined in my ability to create positivity positivity, productiveness, beauty, you know, whatever, that when a situation came up, that that was not the outcome, I would stand away from it with like a 12 foot pole and like not want to do it, but it was causing all of these problems. And it was built around a self-worth ego, but the ego was really just that I want to make everything beautiful and I want to make everything amazing. So it was like, I had this great noble intention, but the noble intention still ends up with these ill effects because it's not sustainable and it's not reality. Like we all have to be both incapable and capable of every, like whatever it is, you know? Yeah. No, like even, um, like the idea that like when clients come in, like I'm with you, like, it's like, if it can't be good and happy, it's like, it's not because of lack of effort. 
you know, like I'm with you. Like I was, I was like, I literally like I'll take the shirt off my back, make it happen. And it's interesting just thinking about the relationship with clients and thinking about how, like, I thought that I had to have all the answers. Like if a client asked me anything, it's like, I have to know because they're here for me and I'm an expert and like, and I want to make them happy. And they have a question. I want to be able to answer it, but it's been so like freeing to be able to be like, you know, I don't know. I've never been there. So I don't know. And like, it's made all my relationships with my clients so much stronger because like, they're not asking me to like pull a rabbit out of my ass every day, all day. They're like, just, I love how you do my hair and I love being around you. I love your energy, but like, I'm not asking you just because you are the expert. I'm asking you because we have a relationship and I just want an honest answer. Like, cause I trust you. Yeah, totally. So where can people find you? I know you do all these different um, metrics for businesses and you work with independent stylists, salon owners, everyone. So where can people find you to kind of get more of what you're putting down? Cause I think it's like, like you said, very grounded and, um, not gimmicky. And I think that it's, uh, it's far and few between. Well, thank you. So I'm at, you know, beauty business guide on Instagram. And then my website is beautybusinessguides.com. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you for your time today. I've really enjoyed it.